Hi, I'm Gail Simone, and you're listening to Nerd Culture Podcast, so keep listening. Hello and welcome to episode 53 of the Nerd Culture Podcast. My name is David, and with me are the NCP crew, as always, Richard. And a fine, good... Well, actually, I don't know if it's have good morning or good evening or good afternoon, because you could be listening to this at any time, so just, hello! <laughs> Luke, yeah, I'm going to assume that, you know, it's either morning, evening, or night, given that there are only three options, really. What about afternoon? Four options, really. <laughs> they could be watching at midday. Think about that. There's so many others, though. There's Twilight, Dusk. Eleventies. Please don't mention any Eleventies. <laughs> Second breakfast. <laughs> Pre-evening. <laughs> Pre-evening, that's right. And Crystal. I think we're outside time and space. In our own universe. The NCP dimension. <laughs> that's freaking. <laughs> the NCP zone. <laughs> Now, before you continue, Dave, I'm afraid I've got to stop you from saying anything more um, upper management have called. <laughs> I am upper management. No, no, this is the higher-ups. The, the money men have called. They've, uh, the look, they've, they've determined that uh, after 52 episodes that um, our continuity might be a little bit uh, too confusing for new listeners. And uh, given our time-travelling events in uh, episode 50... They've decided uh, that that's probably a good chance for us to reboot the entire NCP uh, continuity. So we're just going to discard all of the previous 52 episodes. From this point onwards, it's actually the new NCP 52 now. (laughs) And uh, we're we're shifting roles. I'm afraid from now on, Crystal's going to have to be the world's harshest critic. (laughs) Uh, You're wrong. (laughs) Uh, Warming up already, I see. Luke's, Luke's going to have to host. You're going to have to be the quiet one. I still get to be Captain Dustjacket. <laughs> Except that the, because of our time-travelling exploits, the uh, the American government are coming to speak to Richo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently I've, uh, I've, I've got to change the nature of uh, my reviews. But that does bring me to the point here, though. They've also decided that um, these in-depth, long 20-minute reviews we've been doing too much for the new uh, the new listeners that are apparently going to come in because of all of this. So uh, we're changing the structure of everything. From now on, five-minute reviews and five-minute reviews only. I wouldn't go so far as to say only, but yes. Um, no, no, sorry. <laughs> higher-ups have spoken. No, the higher-ups can get stuff. Because new, <laughs> new, new NCP-52 now. <laughs> A little overboard, but that is, is basically basically correct. Um, we're actually going to actually gonna try mixing it up a bit and... Um, we're going to get rid of the chief and the stuff that we don't like. Yeah, that's essentially it. So we're going to try and get some more content in um, with, uh, as Richard mentioned, the five-minute review. So we will stick to the bigger reviews uh, for blockbuster releases or important releases, such as next episode's review of Man of Steel. So we're, going to, we're trying a new popcorn junkie format where each crew member will have five minutes to review any film that they want, either a, an old classic or a modern release, whatever they whatever tickles their fancy. Something in between. Yeah, something in between. Um, and uh, you never mentioned tickling. <laughs> I'm always happy to tickle you, like. Mm, yes, I know. <laughs> uh, we'll see how that goes. 
Um, but the uh, the dust jackets will stick to the standard format. Of course they will. Because um, it just works. That's <laughs> right. Was, there's no point changing it. It's only the right. It works for the books, but the films needs an overhaul. Yeah, yeah. it's broken. <laughs> it's fine. The higher ups have spoken. Upper management. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's broken. New NCP fifty two now. But you're upper management. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Um, anyway, uh, so for this episode, uh, we will have the the five minute uh, popcorn junkies, and we're also going to have uh, two interviews. Last episode, we reviewed Who Is Killing the Great Capes of Europa by Andre Bergen. And I did find out it is actually Andre, um, and he is being gracious enough to give us a interview. Uh, for this episode so I interviewed him last week and uh, he was awesome and I also found a interview that I did with uh, Gail Simone from Supernova Expo which I hadn't had a chance to slot into any episode um, I was going to chuck it up on the website but I thought I'd make this episode even more special and have Gail on here as well um, so it'll be a lot of fun and then the usual stuff coming soon and stuff like that so without further ado on with the show <laughs> it's the Muppet Show! It's time to play the music. <laughs> our special guest, Andre Bergen and Gail Simone! Yay! <laughs> That's what I was waiting for someone to do! <laughs> oh, yeah. The important thing is, despite Luke's ability to do many great voices, Kermit the Frog is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it was close enough. It was pretty good. We knew who he was doing. Anyway. <laughs> He's got the vocal inflections right as opposed to the actual voice. Yeah, fair call. It still works. And on to Popcorn Junkies. Starting with Richo and Oblivion. Oblivion is a recently released science fiction film directed by Joseph Kaczynski. It stars Tom Cruise, Morgan Freeman, Olga Karolinko, Andrea Riseborough, I'm going to say it's Riseborough, and Melissa Liu. It's set in the future. Earth has basically been decimated by a war with a group of aliens called Scavs. And basically humanity has left Earth. They now basically orbit... Jupiter? Jupiter. Mm. They orbit one of the moons of Jupiter, yeah. However, um, Tom Cruise is a uh, repairman who actually is still on Earth with Andrea Riseborough, who is sort of like his controller. And they are there to protect mining operations... Because there are giant automated mining systems that are, are taking all of Earth's resources and effectively transporting them to this Earth colony. Whilst out on patrol one day, Tom's character Jack finds several uh, crashed tubes from a crashed ship that contain humans in them. And the drones wipe out two of the humans, but he manages to save one of them. And um, he finds a woman inside. Uh, this is Olga Kirilenko's character, Julia. And uh, through this, he begins to uh, question the nature of his situation. And he basically finds out that all is not as it seems. Now, I won't spoil too much of this film because there's a lot of twists and turns in this movie and uh, a lot of big revelations. And uh, I will say, however, that um, I must admit I was pleasantly surprised when I went to see this film. Uh, I had no real expectation because, you know, it's Tom Cruise. Uh, um, (laughs) You know, look... (laughs) I don't mind Tom, but um, his efforts in science fiction films have left a little to be desired over the years for me. And also, there's obviously a lot of science fiction films coming out at the moment. First of all, the positives about Oblivion, it has a very 70s kind of feel to it. Um, yeah, it reminds me of something like a like a Silent Running or those kind of movies in, in, in its feel and its nature. There are 
some good performances here. Um, I thought Andrea Riseborough especially was very good. Uh, Morgan Freeman is Morgan Freeman, and he's just always awesome. Um, probably a little underutilized in this in this movie, but he is uh, one of the people that Tom Cruise finds still on Earth that helps sort of reveal some secrets and information as to what's going on. Um, Tom is quite good, you know, in that Tom Cruise kind of not really much variation to his characters kind of way. Does he get a chance to run? He gets a lot of opportunities to run in this. He does quite a bit of running. And ride. And fly. Yeah, he does a bit of flying. You know, that's always good. So, yeah, so um, yeah, good performances. Uh, the film is um, relatively competently directed. There weren't too many mistakes or anything. Nothing that really leaps out and says, oh, my God, this is the greatest movie ever directed. Uh, however, he doesn't do a lot of lens flare, which automatically puts him above J.J. Abrams in my book. Um, he doesn't do a lot, so it means he does some. Uh, there might be one or two, but, you know, it's not so much so bad that you're completely blinded by the movie. The twists and turns are interesting, um, occasionally a little predictable. Yeah, look, it's not a masterpiece or anything. Uh, and it does bear, I must admit, it does bear some similarities to uh, Moon, which I think is the better film. And I, I must admit, towards the end there, it does get a little over the top for my liking. But all in all, not bad. And as far as the rating goes, I give this uh, three looks. The production design, I think, is actually fabulous. It's, uh, in the end, almost one of the reasons to watch the film. Yeah, that is um, a good is point. A very well, it is a very well-designed world that they've created. So, yeah, that was Oblivion in five minutes. Awesome. Thanks, Richard. Uh, next up, we have Luke with Masters of the Universe. Oh, rad. I am Luke, overlord of sarcasm and, and practitioner of the critical arts. This is nerd culture. The, pr- the platform upon which I speak. Fabulous critical powers were revealed to me the day my father took me to see Masters of the Universe, where Dolph Lundgren failed to say, By the power of Greyskull! Yet somehow managed to grunt out a, I have the power! <laughs> upon leaving the cinema, my first response was, That's not the cartoon. And so I became Luke, the harshest critic in the universe. Because nobody asked for it, this is the film that started me on my critical on my critical path of discourse and um, delight. 1987 was a hallowed year. Not really in particular. I just feel like saying that. Um, <laughs> but it is it is, uh, it is certainly not notable for the release of Gary Goddard's cult classic as being too generous. For those of you who don't know what Masters of the Universe is, Masters of the Universe was a very very popular uh, kids cartoon back in uh, the mid 80s. Uh, so popular that it wanted its own live-action uh, extravaganza. And to all five-year-olds, we were looking forward to it. And, you know, as I said, it's not the cartoon. Now, I should actually make a disclaimer here. I actually did enjoy it when I was a kid. It does work as a kid's film. To, to, five, to five-year-olds, because I know that certain people here are shaking their heads, to five-year-olds, for the first time seeing He-Man actually run around the screen, using his sword in a sword fight, which he didn't do in the cartoons, it was kind of cool. However, as an adult (laughs) watching this, I could actually pick up, you know, every single minute of of this very flawed film. Not not least of which is the fact that our main character, He-Man, does absolutely nothing. (laughs) The story is this. He-Man... Skeletor, through the use of through the, um, the power of a cosmic key, which he's gotten off Orko equivalent, because they couldn't make Orko work for this film, um, Orko equivalent Gwildor. He has used the key to uh, to finally um, take control of the castle Grayskull, with our main character He-Man already beaten. 
instead of you know standing his ground, raising an army, um, raising an army Star Wars style, and going at Skeletor, what does He-Man do? Uses the cosmic key and runs to Earth. So we've set up in Eternia, you know, this potentially interesting place, and the next thing they do, send our main character to the most boring place in the entire galaxy, <laughs> our world. <laughs> But then he, went, he then meets up with Monica Geller before she has some hijinks, and, hijinks in New York with her friends. And Tom <laughs> Paris before he gets lost on the, on the Starship Voyager. Tom Paris. <laughs> um, has to run around Earth, effectively just evading Skeletor's, tro- Skeletor's troops before going back to Eternia for the final battle. That's the plot in a nutshell. To talk about it anymore would be to really just to waste my waste my airspace and the time of everyone involved. <laughs> but the key flaw the key flaw really comes down to apart from special effects, bad acting, woeful production design, um, a director who thinks he's making Jack Kirby's New Gods, a screenwriter who thinks he's writing Star Wars, and no one apparently having watched the cartoon or read the comics that were with the toys. Um, the main character does come down to the fact that Dolph Lundgren is such a bad actor that at various points you can tell that they had to film him and Frank Langella playing Skeletor separately so that Dolph Lundgren wasn't acted off the screen completely. But the other, the other, the other, the other thing is that T-Man does nothing to in the film at all. He's the main character. He, but he, at no point does he drive what little plot there is. In fact, what we do see him do are things like hide behind. Uh, hide behind a wall of synthesizers whilst he fires a, a laser weapon at the bad guys. Gets into a couple of a couple of sword fights. Wanders around in a costume that would make Doctor Frankenfurter's heart skip a beat. Um, <laughs> and no one and no one actually goes. Hang on, what's going on here? To any of this, it should be pointed out. Nothing at all. But the other the other big thing is the most powerful man in the universe. And what is the most powerful thing he does? Pushes over a statue, which then succeeds in harming no one. <laughs> like I said, entertaining film, entertaining for five-year-olds, and I do get a sort I do enjoy the inherent silliness of it as an adult. But let's be serious. Half a look. Stick to the cartoon is what you're saying. Pretty much. I do agree yeah. with the five-year-old thing. Actually, when I when I when I first saw it, I mean, I was obviously I was I wasn't five because I'm mm. older than you, but. Oh wow, that's cool! It's like the fantasy in, in, in the world that I live. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's a piece, piece of crap. <laughs> it's awful. Look, I was twelve when this film came out. Yeah, so I it. thought it was crap when I was twelve, <laughs> and I still think it's crap today. <laughs> oh jeez, that was very entertaining. Okay, thanks, Luke. That was awesome. <laughs> Next up, we've got Crystal with Eagle versus Shark. Yes, Eagle versus Shark um, came out in two thousand and seven. Directed by Tika Waitiki, and I actually had to uh, get on the Google and find someone pronouncing it. I found him pronouncing his own name to make sure that was right. <laughs> <laughs> That's research for you right there. Oh, well, Maori names it can be difficult because um, the W is often pronounced with an F, mm. so I wanted to make sure that it's right. Um, starring Lauren Taylor and Jermaine Clement uh, from Flight of the Concords fame, um, and it's written by Lauren Taylor and... Okay, the story um, is based around Lily. Lily is a socially inept young woman who's working in a burger shop. Well, I don't mention it, but it's Wellington, um, New Zealand. She has a crush on Jared, who works in a... Is it a video shop? 
Yeah. It's like an EB Games, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the same mall, and she watches the clock every day because he comes in at 12 o'clock and, hopes, and she hope, desperately hopes that he'll come to her till, but he doesn't until finally one day he does. Unfortunately, this is also the same day that she gets fired from her <laughs> job through unscrupulous means, even though they said, the, the boss said, oh, you know, it's nothing we can do, it's management. The game was rigged. <laughs> which she finds out later to her dismay. Jared wants to invite one of her workmates to a party, but the workmate just laughs in her face, basically, because they're both a bit dweeby. And she said, yeah, that's cool, screws it up, throws the invitation away. But uh, Lily decides to go, and uh, along with her brother, who she lives with, uh, so her parents have passed away uh, from heart attacks, uh, she lives with her brother Damon, who she loves dearly. He does, um, in her eyes, he does wonderful cartoons and impressions, but uh, not nearly as good as Luke's impressions. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes her laugh and it's endearing to watch. Um, so Damon takes her to this party so she can meet with Jared, and the party is an animal party. You have to come dressed as your favourite animal. Hers is a shark, and obviously Jared's is an eagle. Um, and the the main object of the party is to fight in a game called... Uh, fighter Man. Fighter Man. <laughs> Which is a Mortal, Mortal Kombat ripper. Yeah, because well, they couldn't pay their rights, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> and uh, she blows everyone away until it's time to fight against Jared, which is the, what you win. You get to play against Jared because he's the best. And, of course, she just lets him win. Uh, he introduces her as the, the best female fight man player that he's ever seen. <laughs> but um, you know, at the beginning of the film, you sort of wonder what she even sees in Jared because he's a total... Not nice person? Total not nice person. Yeah, that'll do. He's a self-obsessed, petulant prick. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, yes. And it's, uh, But uh, Lily clearly sees something special in him, so she, she goes after him, and it turns out that Jared's got to go back to his hometown because he's on this vendetta to fight this uh, guy who made his life miserable at high school. And uh, he's also on a mission to win his father's approval. He has an older brother who has died, um, and Lily finds out later, even though uh, Jared had lied to her about how he died. Uh, this has shattered the father, and he sits around in a wheelchair all day, and um, anything Jared does doesn't measure up. He even tries to big up Lily, and Lily keeps saying, I, I didn't do that. Like, Lily's got a degree. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the relationship keeps going. Jared proves himself to be a bit of a, a douche <laughs> more often than not. <laughs> Lily sees some sort of spark in him and keeps going. When I first started watching this movie the first time, I wasn't really impressed at the start, but it, it really grows on you. The characters are really quite growing, especially the character of Lily. The very last scene, you can tell with just one word spoken that Jared, that Jared says how Jared has now uh, come to feel about Lily and uh, life in general. And I think that that was uh, very, very well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other little things I'd like to mention is, uh, this is throughout the film there's great little stop-motion animation pieces. And uh, I, I would encourage you to sit through the credits because there's some great little uh, sketches there. Oh, and my highlight from the film is... Uh, Lily has a... She's found this special little rock that's in a heart shape. And, of course, when... There's a, there's a part when Jared breaks it off with her and she's really mad. She throws the rock and kills a seagull from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> this little girl gives her this look. <laughs> Quite funny. 
Anyway, and my rating uh, would be four looks. The whole point is that he's not the focus character. Lily is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's more a case of watching him interesting. I think the reason why he, she likes him, responds to him, first of all, you know, Jermaine Clement's reasonably handsome, and so, you know, looks sort of edgy and cool. Even with his mullet. <laughs> Even with his mullet. But then um, she responds to the fact that he's damaged. Mm. <laughs> the end fight scene between them, I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to mention that because I didn't want to spoil her. It's, but it, like, it, is such, it is such a nice moment. Yeah. Plus also him trying to get back with his... It's yeah. good. Oh, have, you, have you not seen it? I've not seen it, no. Oh, yeah, it's got... It's, it's, we're, we're, it's, it's a slow build. It's got a, yeah, it's got a very yeah. much a sort of a, a Napoleon Dynamite sort of feel to it. But good. Like, first, but good. Yeah, right, so okay. like, it gets better than Napoleon Dynamite. Does. Oh, it's, it's, it's far better than Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. yeah, it's, I mean... Yeah, the, the, the scene where he finally gets to meet his arch-rival. Yeah. He's worth his yeah. price of admission a lot. Yeah, that is... Yeah, uh, that, and I like the final shot of them. Awesome. That was, uh, that was really cool. Thank you, Kristen. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so next up is... Uh, you. Moi. Uh, I'm going to be reviewing Wreck-It Ralph. The Muppet Movie. Superman Begins. <laughs> Superman Begins? What? <laughs> I'm just making up. No, you're just making movies, movies up. <laughs> <laughs> she's on a post-critical review high. <laughs> Batman, Man of Steel. <laughs> <laughs> It's getting that way. He's unbeatable. Wreck-It Ralph is a 2012 animated film from Disney. Uh, Being animated, of course, it has a plethora of voice actors. Uh, The main character, Ralph, is voiced by John C. Riley, the great John C. Riley. His offsider character, Vanellope, is voiced by uh, the hilarious Sarah Silverman. Um, And there's a whole bunch of other actors in there as well, uh, including Jane Lynch um, and Alan I can never pronounce the dude's last name. Alan Tudyk? Tudyk, yeah. Yeah, Tudyk? Awesome. He's awesome. Gosh. Yeah. Uh, unlike the majority of Disney films, it doesn't deal with sort of a, fan- a medieval fantasy sort of type setting. It's actually set in the world of video games and sort of deals with the possibility that video game characters are, you know, uh, real and have feelings and thoughts and they sort of live outside outside the games themselves. Once the arcade closes for the night and the games are all just left there, they they, they go about their business. Um, Ralph is the star of, of a game called Wreck-It Ralph, uh, where he, which is it's basically a Rampage-style game. So he goes out to a building and destroys it, um, and then uh, Fix-It Felix Jr. Uh, comes in and repairs it. And uh, it's the 30th anniversary of his game, and he's feeling a bit let down because he's basically he's the bad guy. So it plays a lot with the fact that bad guys really don't get any love. And uh, he, even though the game names the, the game's named after him, um, the the people inside the game itself basically hate him, except for Felix. Felix kind of likes him, but they sort of they don't uh, they don't sort of pal up because they're basically the good guy and the bad guy. Um, so the film starts with a brilliant scene with Ralph at um, the the Badenom, um, which is basically a, an AA meeting for bad guys to sort of to sort of get over their negative feelings and stuff. And it is it is magnificent, and um, it's the the first instance you get of one of the highlights of this film, which is which for me as a gamer, is to sort of pick out the game characters. Um, it's really, really cool. I mean, I mean, this scene alone features Bison from Street Fighter and Kano uh, from Mortal Kombat. You know, one of the Pac-Man ghosts, <laughs> um, a zombie from you know generic zombie games, um, which I think House of the Dead. Um, Doctor Robotnik um, or, or Doctor Eggman, or it depends on where you come from, is, is, is from Sonic. It's various other sort of stuff like that, and it's, so and so they sort of they they talk about their feelings and stuff, and but that's that's not really enough for him. So uh, Ralph decides that 
the only way he's going to get any respect is become a hero. And because he can't become a hero in his game, he has to travel to another game. Uh, in one of these other games, he meets uh, Vanellope, who is basically downtrodden uh, in the game Sugar Rush. Uh, she's basically treated with no respect and, and treated quite poorly uh, because she's a glitch and she's a, she's a little girl. Through so their wacky adventures, they eventually team up and they learn, they learn to love and respect each other. And he essentially becomes a hero by default because he becomes a hero to her. Um, so, I mean, there's heaps of other stuff that happens in the film, but I've only got five minutes, um, and I don't want to spoil it all. It's, it's lovely and endearing, and it's a return to form for Disney, in my opinion. And it's, um, even as an, as, a, as an adult, there's plenty of adult stuff in there that you can enjoy. Um, and I'm not ashamed to say that at uh, some moments I actually teared up a little. It is, uh, it's one of the few films that have managed to actually invoke a positive a positive <laughs> emotional response in me. <laughs> I get plenty of negative emotional responses. Thank you, Prometheus. Uh, but uh, no, this one is it's it's family friendly, good, clean, fun, and more importantly, it's actually good and funny. So uh, I highly recommend it. I actually, I give it uh, four point five looks. The tone, I think, is really what makes it um, work so well. It's it's pitched at quite a nice level. Mm. Um, it's not over the top. There aren't so many video game references that. People who aren't unfamiliar with it aren't are going to get lost in it. Um, the relationship between Ralph and Vanellope, I think, is quite nice. My only problem is that it's actually is that for the most part, it's set in the Sugar Rush game, and given you know all the other games that get introduced, they choose the most boring world in which to, to um, set most of the most of the action in. Particularly when you know before that we've got the Halo inspired world and mm. um, things like that. So that was really the um, the. The only big down, downside for me that you've got all this other stuff. And this wonderful idea with the interconnectivity of all the games, and I want well, to see- yeah, I assume in the sequel you get to see some of the yeah. other games and stuff. But I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of time is spent in Sugar Rush, and mm. my God, it plays on your eyes after after a while. <laughs> <laughs> but but Vanellope is so awesome. Yeah. Not to mention making you a bit peckish. Yeah, it <laughs> makes you hungry. <laughs> it's like, oh, what am I, a little Boston bun? Um, no, it's uh, it's it's great, great stuff. I highly recommend it. Awesome, so that's our uh, new five-minute review, Popcorn Junkies. Let us know what you think. Uh, we'll have the details on how to contact us later in the show, but uh, we're very interested in your feedback, and uh, I enjoyed them. I think they worked. Nobody else said anything. That's cool. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we've got interviews. First up, we have Mr. Andre Bergen, who is the, he's the author of Who is Killing the Great Capes of Europa, uh, which we reviewed last episode, uh, and also uh, a bunch of other books, which I think are brilliant. So, like buy them all. Like Mountain Stained Tobacco Goat? Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, isn't it the Tobacco Stained Mountain Goat? If you look at the smile on my face. <laughs> We're just rolling with the joke, Richard. Come on, stay with the program. <laughs> Take it away, Andre. Hello, David. Hello, Andre. Yes, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. So, how are you doing? Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Just uh, complaining about the humidity before. Tokyo is pretty crap in summer. I don't know if you've been here in summer, but no. it just gets really, really humid and uh, really heavy weather. But, um, yeah, all good. Otherwise, I can't complain. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've never been to Japan. I, I very, very badly want to go, but I've never been there. Thank you very much for the interview. It's, uh, it's an absolute joy to meet, actually meet you finally. And it's uh, a pleasure. I learned of you through your novels. Uh, uh, tobacco Stained Mountain Goat, uh, 100 Years of Vicitude and the Condimental Up. Um, uh-huh. I reviewed them on the on the website, as you know, and uh, absolutely love them. 
Uh, yeah, no, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. I, I, tobacco stained is definitely my favourite, and uh, um, yeah, those are good too. <laughs> tobacco stain is definitely great, and it's and uh, it's just awesome. I just, um, I just love, I love the the noir sort of cyberpunk type stuff. Very reminiscent of sort of uh, Philip K. Dick type stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what sort of, what made you decide to go into sort of that sort of genre? Sort of? Good question. Um, I've always been a fan of like Philip K. Dick, and um, when Blade Runner came out many, many years ago, I saw it in the cinema, and they, they basically changed the way I looked at uh, writing, the, the way I perceived the world, and um, they've been filtering through ever since. And I mean, when you combine them with their obvious influences from Dashiell Hammett and uh, Raymond Chandler and those kinds of people, I think the mix of you know the noir. And that kind of dystopiac um, cyberpunk, as you mentioned, it's really interesting and really diverse, and you can really mess around quite a bit and have fun with it. Awesome! And to set it in, uh, so you, so you're a, you know, an Australian living in Japan. Um, yeah. Do you, do you ever actually come back to Australia? Have you, have you been back yeah. since? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm from Melbourne, so yeah. I, I come back every now and then. I, I was actually, last time I came to Australia, I was in Sydney last year. But mm-hmm. um, usually I try and come once every two years. Uh, the problem is the cost of the tickets at the moment is, yeah. is ridiculous. So, it's not cheap. I mean, I would come back every six months if I could, but it's just the cost is a little bit, yeah, yeah. outrageous. Yeah. And so and yeah. so, Tobacco Stained um, uh, is set in Melbourne, so it's a... A post-apocalyptic Melbourne, but Melbourne nonetheless still recognisable. Yep. Really, some parts of it it's pretty much the same. It hasn't really changed. <laughs> um, so, what made you decide to set it in Australia instead of your new home of Japan? Well, it's actually a, a really old story. I started writing it as a short story um, about twenty years ago, and um, that was about a five-page story. And it's been like bouncing around ever since in my headspace and in boxes and in Melbourne and in London and in Tokyo and. Um, I don't know, like, I mean, I, I love Melbourne, and I always will love Melbourne, I think, and uh, it's my hometown, and I mean, you know, things like On the Beach uh, are based on, you know, Melbourne being the last city in the world, which I, I always yeah. thought was hilarious, That's and cool. um, eh, why not, I think Melbourne's a great city, and if, if there is going to be a last city in the world, it should definitely be Melbourne. Well, yeah, as long as it's not Sydney, it's all good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we, wouldn't, we wouldn't hear the last of it, yeah, we survived. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, even if we're dead. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, your your upcoming novel um, is "Who Is Killing the Great Capes of Europa." Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you've yeah. got a release date, September twenty seven. Yeah, yeah, it's September twenty seven or September twenty six. I can't remember, but yeah. um, it's on Amazon now as of today. So um, yeah, I'm pretty blown away. <laughs> it's very exciting. So uh, we reviewed it on on the show. You got you listen to the review. Yeah, 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 I had a good listen. Um, it was really, really cool. I like, I really like the, the, I mean, the variety of opinions was really interesting, and it's really good feedback. So I really, really loved it. So cool. thank you to the guys. Yeah, no worries. Well, they, we we uh, really enjoyed doing it. Just it was just the thought of uh, reviewing a book that hasn't even come out yet, and and uh, <laughs> and we're in, in the acknowledgements page, which is uh, it's, I can't tell you yeah. how stoked it is. It's, it's like I've just had uh, like a, my first child or something. <laughs> <laughs> It's really, really cool. The, the um, first of many. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so like, like we said before, you, you're now living in Japan. So why did you yeah. uh, decide to move to Japan? Uh, initially, um, I guess because, I mean, I, I love Japanese food. Yeah, cool. 
Uh, I also a big fan of Japanese animation, Japanese manga, and uh, I was really heavily into Japanese techno and electronic music. Um, I love Yellow Magic Orchestra and Cofusion and those people. And um, I was a journalist at the time, uh, writing about electronic music and really heavily based around Japanese music. So um, I came over here basically to follow through on music and eat food at the same time. And my plan was six months, and mm. now it's 12 years. Because <laughs> of course you met your wife and and you now have a daughter Coco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's so, right. So, you, so now you're. I'm stuck. You're stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I just gotta I just gotta ask you a question. It's not a very journalistic type question, but I just I'm very I'm just I'm fascinated by all things Japanese, which you know a lot of people are. But uh, yeah. when you when you got there, did anybody actually call you a gaijin? Uh, uh, some people do. Some people do, but. Um, Usually they're a bit more respectful than that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Did anybody did right to your face? Did anybody say you're dirty Gaijin or something like that? Oh, one one time it happened to me in, in uh, just near Ginza in Yorakacho. I went to this uh, yakitori kind of barbecue place and uh, we got tossed out because we were Gaijin. Oh, no, there you um, go. That's hilarious. It's only happened one time in 12 years. It's just this battle axe of an old lady and, uh, yeah. you know, the, these people are around everywhere in the world. So we didn't take it personally. <laughs> that's hilarious um, and do you find living in Japan has influenced your writing I mean it's obviously a big influence on Vicitude um, yeah, has, yeah. It, has it influenced anything else uh, yeah actually when I, when I was doing a lot of the, the look, looking at the scenery of, of Tobacco Stand Mountain Goat when I was trying to imagine the streetscapes of Tobacco Stand Mountain Goat I just walk out the door and look at the you know look at the skyline and uh mm. That for me is what Melbourne could look like, look like in the future. Not all of it's positive because there's so much cabling and wires hanging everywhere and neon signage everywhere. And I like most of it, but some of it's quite ugly. And um, I think that's really reflected in, especially Tobacco State Mountain Goat. And uh, I guess you know it's it is a kind of futuristic city. So if you're doing science fiction writing or, or stuff set in the future, it's a great city to work in. Cool. I so badly want to go there. Uh, what was your biggest culture shock moment? I think my biggest culture shock moment was when I ordered a tray of sashimi in a restaurant and um, it came with the sliced sashimi and the fish that the sashimi had come from was put on the side of the plate as decoration and the fish was still alive. Oh! And it was writhing around on the plate so I had to get a chopstick and stab it through the eye to put it out of its misery and I was like, okay, crap, I'm in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome. Um, so you, met, you mentioned that uh, one of the reasons you went to Japan is for music. So you are actually a established musician as well. You uh, operate as uh, Little Nobody um, and yeah, various, yeah. various other names. That's kind of contentious. I, I, I think I'm a hack, but uh, some people say I'm a musician. But <laughs> well, you've got, your, uh, you've got your own Wikipedia page. I, I, I know. I don't know who built that one. It's really annoying me. Um, I want to get rid of that. Really? It was really, it was really useful to me. I, it actually it gave me gave me some more links. I actually went to one link and it talked about your music career and and you know this, the hundreds of tracks that you've made and how respected you are in the industry. And it was it was, real, it was a really respectful page and and also and it has worked with such luminaries as it had this list of these bands or groups or whatever. And I didn't I actually didn't know a single one of them. It was like <laughs> 20, 20 in the list. And I was like I don't know any of these people. Oh, that's techno for you. Yeah, it. so I had to look them all up, and I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> awesome. oh, okay. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad it was useful, because, um, yeah, sometimes I, I glance at that page, and I'm like, oh, crap, I want to move on from that. <laughs> no, keep, no, keep it on there. It's, it's good. It's, it was very useful. Um, oh, and also, also in, research, in seeing that page and researching some information about you, I also found that you had an IMD page, because you're an actor. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, that, that's a glorified extra, actually. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you were there, well, you're, you're the Dutch sailor or the Dutch trader or something in some show? Yeah, I was a Dutch, Dutch ambassador or something, yeah. and um, just wandering around streets like with, with, with a walking stick and, and mutton chop. Uh, face makeup and crap and it's fun it's a really great hobby to do on the side because they need gaijin extras for movies here and it's pretty easy to pick up work so you're in quite a few episodes it's not just a it's not like just a one-off thing i mean it was pretty impressive so <laughs> is there any is there anything you don't do writing music uh, acting uh i don't study mathematics absolutely <laughs> 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 um I also, 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 I don't speak Japanese very well, which is insane. I, you know, I live here and I've been here so long, but my Japanese is completely crap. So it's enough to get by, though. Yeah. Well, it's it, it. I can get by, but it's not something to sing about. So yeah, yeah. it's my weakness. Uh, so it's been, being a jack of all trades, what would be your? Who would be your favourite authors? Uh, definitely straight off the bat, Raymond Chandler and Dashiell Hammett. Um, I think that's pretty obvious, yeah. right? I mean, I, I love this stuff. I read the books like you know every year. I'm rereading the books. Um, also, I mean, I, I love comic book stuff. I, I love stuff by Frank Miller and um, a lot of other artists and, and artist writers. And um, I guess modern writers. Um, there's so many people who I respect and who I really like. And um, Adam Christopher over in New Zealand's doing some interesting stuff. Uh, Empire State and, and books like that, and um, uh, ah, of course um, Philip K. Dick. Uh, yep. Dad. and uh, I, I used to love Arthur C. Clarke when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah, I was a big fan of his stuff, and um, yeah, I, I think anything science fiction, um, kind of dystopia or, or noir, especially noir. I love noir. Uh, anything hard boiled. Yeah, as long as it, and I, I love a lot of the Japanese stuff as well. So a lot of manga. Cool. So, <laughs> so with because with um, who's killing the great capes of Europa is is very comic uh, superheroes based and stuff like that. You're obviously a huge comic fan. I mean, I read all your notes at the end of the book about all the comics that influenced the story, which is awesome. I agreed with thank every you, every you. single thing you said. I agreed. Um, oh, thank so obviously, being a huge comic fan, uh, what was the first comic given to you? Uh, the first comic. It's it's either the one my dad subscribed me to, which was a core comic over in England. You know, core was a British kind of uh, comedy kind of comic. No, 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 no. C O R exclamation mark exclamation mark. Um, oh. It was really funny um, weekly British comic. Um, my dad subscribed me to that when I was in kindergarten, I think. Cool. And. Uh, my, my grandmother, when I went to Queensland, uh, she picked up secondhand, uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not, this, uh, it was on, I think someone like Dell or someone like, like that, yeah. and it's a comic. The old Dell. And uh, I hung on to that for years because I loved that comic. Um, the whole twist endings and the kind of sinister kind of horrible stories are really, yeah. really interesting. Did you, did you then move on to sort of the EC stuff? Uh, yeah, yeah, I moved on to EC, DC and... I, I loved Superman when I was a kid, when I was in elementary school, primary school. Um, I really liked Batman, especially the 1950s, 1960s Batman, uh, cool. more flippant kind of fun stuff. Yeah. Then then I discovered Marvel, um, 
at the end of primary school, I think, and uh, I never looked back. I yeah. mean, Marvel was, the, especially 1960s Marvel, just did my head in. Um, That's awesome. Um, yeah, it was, it was a brilliant time, and I was really lucky because my, my older half-brother had all this stuff stored in his um, shed in Richmond, and uh, I, that's actually part of the story of yeah. Europa. Um, yeah, Jacob finds the shed with all the comics in it. It's actually yeah. a true story. It's what I found at my grandmother's place. So. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, it was, it, it, I, I had to tell the story. I've, t- I've told my half-brother. He lives in uh, Darwin. I told him, look, you actually kind of mentioned in this, and uh, but not, not not directly, but you know, it's that story is true. So. Has he asked for royalties? No, no. <laughs> luckily, no, he's really nice. I love him. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. If you were on a quiz show, what, yeah. what would be your specialist subject? Definitely Marvel comics from the 1960s, followed by probably film noir movies of the 40s and 50s, especially movies starring Humphrey Bogart. Okay. <laughs> and maybe number three would be techno and electronic music made in Japan and Australia in the 1990s and 2000s. Nice. Um, yes. What is your definition of happiness? My daughter. She, yeah. She's sitting, she's sitting next to me. She's playing with the toys and she's looking at me. So I have to say this. Right, Kokwa? <laughs> Do you want to say hello? No. No, she said no. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. That's a, but, that's a good sound bite. We can go with that. <laughs> well, she, 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 she's amazing. Like, she makes me extremely happy. And you know, I love you know, hanging out with her and stuff. So it's great. And she's a little, she's a little artist as well. She did the cover for Condimental Op. <laughs> Yeah, she's a great artist. That's cool. She's brilliant. Yeah, I'm, I'm biased, but yeah, I love her stuff. So, yeah. Final question: If you were doing this interview, what would yeah. be the what would be the one question that you would want asked? Oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, maybe what is your favorite comic of all time? Okay. What is your favorite uh, comic of all time? <laughs> um. Easy question. It's Fantastic Four, issue 25. Uh, I think it's 1964. It's the Hulk versus the Thing. Cool. Uh, drawn by Jack Kirby, of course. Uh, the inker, I think, was someone pretty crap, but um, the pencils were by Jack Kirby. And story by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. It's a classic. Well, there's a reason why he's called the King. Exa- yeah. Exactly. exactly. So I actually yeah. knew the answer to that because I read the notes at, on, the, on the back of Europa. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, 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 that's probably the comic. If I was like stuck on a desert island with only one comic, it'd be issue twenty-five, Fantastic Four, definitely. That is so cool. Mine would be Amazing Spider-Man two eighty-nine, which, uh, which is the reveal, yeah. reveal of Hobgoblin of who the Hobgoblin was. And, uh, yeah, and I, I, I read that a long time ago, and yeah. it's coming back to me. Yeah, yeah, that's a classic. So, so, yeah, so Ned Leeds, but I mean, obviously not because of the story itself. It's really not that impressive, but because it was the first comic I ever, ever bought. For myself, so. and that—that's the most important part yeah, of it. So you know? nostalgia. So yeah. it's, uh, so we have to finish up. Um, okay. I know that you've got some upcoming projects, so not in, not counting uh, Haropa, of course, which comes out uh, September twenty seventh from Perfect Dev Books, available on Amazon. Yep. So check it out. Uh, you've also got uh, a new novel, The Mercury Drink, The Mercury Drinkers. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, that's that's um, a kind of noir novel set in Japan, but at the moment it's just pieces of notepaper and. Uh, I don't know when it's going to happen. I was supposed to start working on it already, but I'm being a bit of a slacker for a change. And uh, yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it, it should be out next year. I hope. <laughs> Is it set in the same universe? 
Well, that's something I've been de- debating with myself because all three novels are set in a similar universe, and um, I'm thinking, do I break away from that or somehow link it? And I'm thinking it could be about Floyd Marquina's dad. Ah. I don't know. I know he's a throwaway character in, in the first book, so I don't know. It could be kind of funny. That could work. Yeah, no, that could that could definitely work. I I just love the universe that you created, so I'm happy for more in it. Give me give me more. <laughs> Thank you, explore, thank you. Dave. Explore really the boundaries. Um, you also got a uh, short story anthology uh, coming out, set in the same universe. So that's awesome. Yeah, yes, that's coming out. Uh, it should be out by the end of summer. It's coming out through another Sky Press, and uh, it's called the Tobacco Stained Sky. Yeah. And uh, it's, ha- it's happening. It's, it's taken a long time, but it, it should be out by the end of summer. So yeah, so, great. <laughs> it's a mix of stories and um, comics. And, yeah. yeah. Really cool. It does sound awesome. I read up on it on uh, your website so if, if any so thank you very much for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for all your support and thank you for for being so cool about everything i really appreciate it yeah no i think thank you very much for i don't know enlightening my life i mean it's just it, you saw it, your, your novels are awesome and everybody should read them so um, thank you, thanks, i will, I will continue will continue to uh, support you in any way i can um and thank you very much for your support for us I mean, retweeting our stuff and posting this stuff oh, what you guys are doing with the podcast is brilliant, and it, make, it keeps me in touch with Melbourne. So, you know, what's happening with you guys? So, uh, I love it. So, thank you. Cool. Um, if anybody uh, wants to check you out, they can check you out at uh, andrebergen.wordpress.com. Um, yeah, yeah, that's probably the best one. Yeah. yeah. And, they also, and you also write for uh, Forces of Geek? Yeah, Forces, uh, Forces of Geek. I'm quite, I, I quite like Forces of Geek, the website. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's just, it's fun. They're really yeah. cool people. Yeah, it's great. Great place just to do whatever i want to do they give me free range which is great so awesome well i know you got to get going before uh, before coco kills you you can't be late for your, for the class to the, to her ballet class <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you thank you very much again and uh and maybe we can talk again i'd love to and and david th- thank you to you and crystal and everyone else i really appreciate everything you guys are amazing and thank you thank you all right take care okay take care too take care mate bye See you. So there you have it, Andre Bergen, what a champion. It was great stuff, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again. I mean, uh, the invitation is open. Thanks again for for your time, Andre. It was awesome stuff. Uh, next up, we have uh, the long-lost Gail Simone interview. <laughs> I don't know why I haven't had this in an episode earlier. It was very strange. Da, 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 da. <laughs> it was awesome. It's, it's, it, it was so awesome talking to Gail. I was just, I mean, she's, she's an industry legend, and mm. uh, the chance to talk to her was just amazing. Um, at uh, Supernova that we're at, um, the sound quality's uh, not the greatest because they once again, for some reason, had this really loud thing next to the next to the booth. Last time it was because of the wrestling. This time it's because of this, I don't know, this tank game competition that was going on. It's just stupid. Um, but uh, talking to Gail was awesome. I do actually want to just also point out just a, a quick shout out to her husband Scott. That man is a legend. What, what, the way it was is actually Christa, Crystal was with me at the time, and we were uh, we were basically sharing cues. Uh, and Dave Gibbons was was one of the guests there, and I was just I was so desperate to meet Dave Gibbons, one of my heroes, and uh, get his autograph and stuff like that. Um, and so Crystal was in. Gail's line, <laughs> sort of keeping my spot, and I was in Dave's Dave's line, the and sacrifices then sacrifices I make. Yeah, and then and then as she got to the front, we swapped over so that I was in Gail's line, and then and then she went over to Dave's line, and um and uh, I requested an interview, and, and Gail graciously said okay, as long as she wasn't busy at the time, and so I basically sort of stood around and waited until um her you know legion of fans sort of went to a quiet spot so I could I could get a time, and I, I spent some time talking to 
and to Scott and um, who is tall. <laughs> I was going to point out he's a tall dude <laughs> and uh, he's very impressive. And uh, and then uh, but then event while I was while I was waiting, uh, uh, Crystal was getting to the front of Dave's queue. <laughs> so I went back to Dave Dave Gibbons' queue again. And um, while I was back in Dave Dave Gibbons' queue, Scott actually came looking for me. So he's like, he's like, he moves out from behind the booth and he's looking around and then he spots me and he comes over and apologized to me. I'm like, what do you apologize to? He's like, I'm really sorry. Uh, I, you know, you, are you still, do you still want to do the interview? And, and, uh, I'm like, hell's yeah. You know, it's like, you know, don't apologize to me. I'm just a pleb. <laughs> You're the star here. You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, you and Gail obviously are the stars. I mean, just thank you very much. So the fact that he did that is just amazing. I just can't stress enough just how impressed I was. Um, and he, and you know, he and Gal made the time to to speak to me. So it's it's just awesome stuff. Yeah, and plus I got Dave's autograph, which is great. So uh, through the the tag team efforts of Crystal and myself, we got it all worked out. <laughs> the whole time we were doing the interview, people kept asking me stuff because they thought we were part of the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> part of the part of the staff, which is pretty, <laughs> which is pretty funny. So and thanks also to Supernova for the opportunity to interview Gal. So uh, here we go. That's enough of me talking. You want to hear Gal talking? And here we go, Gail Simone. This is David, and I'm here at Supernova Expo with the one and only Gail Simone. Hello, y'all. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure to talk to you, Gail. Thank you for taking the time. Well, of course. Supernova's been a lot of fun, a lot of great people. Is this your first time in Melbourne? It's not my first time in Melbourne. It's my first time at a Supernova convention. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's a beautiful city. <laughs> definitely a beautiful city, and I've been here for over a week, so I've gotten out to see the things I didn't see last time I was here. That's awesome. Uh, Gail, obviously uh, best known for... Uh, her work on Wonder Woman and Birds of Prey, uh, but you've also done you've just run the gamut of uh, the DC universe as uh, Villains United and uh, uh, I was especially a big fan of um, it's, uh, Rose and Thorn oh right yeah, yeah. That, was a, that was a great little, little series <laughs> thank you yeah. very psychological story there yeah um, and how you're um so there was a, a bit of controversy uh, in December last year with uh, your firing uh, via email uh, off, uh, off Batgirl, but thank God you're actually now back on. Um, people rallied around you, especially Scott Snyder. He was uh, he was huge. Yeah, Scott was great. And, yeah, Batgirl 19 just came out, and I'm really excited that it's finally out. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's really good to see. Um, it was a, a damn shame uh, what happened, but especially more how it happened. Um, which I mean, I think basically the whole internet sort of you know got behind you and just uh, and justifiably. It was really nice to see that I, that there was that kind of support for Batgirl and for me writing Batgirl. I really did appreciate yeah. it. It's a great it's a great little series. If you got um, without sort of giving too much away, have you got some sort of long term Batgirl plans? Um, well, we have coming up immediately the new Fifty Two Ventriloquist story. Yep. And so we introduce her, and she is bat crazy. Pardon the expression. That's fine. I'll, I'll let you get away with that. <laughs> and uh, it's causing a lot of trouble for Gotham. And then we, you know, Barbara may or may not go on an actual date finally. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be exciting. On us. That'd, be, that'd be scarier than fighting the villain. <laughs> for the dude <laughs> as long as he doesn't do anything rude he'll be right um, and there's some still some family issues that need to be resolved that we're going to be delving into as well and uh, she's taking on in her day, daytime life she's uh, starting a new career and so we're going to explore that a bit too and creating some uh, Nightfall will be back 
causing yeah. some more troubles in Gotham that Batgirl's going to have to deal with That's sooner awesome. or later. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the family. So, was it? Do you find it sort of difficult just to to work into the tie-ins, like Death of the Family and stuff like that? No, I actually really love them, and that's one of the things I love about working in a shared world is that we do have all those options to to do tie-ins or crossovers or single issues or long ongoing arcs. It's really nice to be able to break up the rhythm and the way that Death of the Family and, and Night of the Owls was structured was particularly easy because there was a great overarching story where we could just tell a small portion of it that fit in with our, our book and, and with Batgirl in particular. So I, I loved it and there was definitely some unresolved issues between Batgirl and the Joker that was yeah. nice to finally get well. I, don't, I wouldn't call it nice. No. It was very creepy and horrifying. Yeah. But, um, it I gave think her part was a standout of the whole series. It, it was, it was um, I think, a good thing for her to finally have that confrontation. Exactly. Great stuff. What was the first comic that you ever bought yourself? Um, I bought a Justice League comic at a garage sale when I was really young and, and didn't even understand quite how comics worked. I didn't understand the numbering. I didn't understand that this particular book I bought was in the middle of a story or anything like that. But I was just so drawn into the characters. I was drawn into the fact that this was a group of characters kind of like a family that, that got along and went out and did things together. I'm from a kind of a dysfunctional family, so that attracted me. And then, wow. of course, there was Wonder Woman, who was, you know, a, a princess with a sword, which yeah. is something I could definitely yeah. get behind more so than someone who needed a, a knight to come in and rescue her and make her live happily ever after. Yeah. And that, that, I mean, and eventually, I mean, so, so that started your love affair with comics? Or? It, it started me getting deeper into it. Prior to that, I did watch the syndicated Batman television show and I really awesome. love Batman and I love Catwoman and particularly Batman. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was exposed to that first but the first comic was Justice League. I love Batgirl but for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so um, eventually uh, you then became very well known for your uh, Women in Refrigerators website. That sort of, that sort of stemmed from your idea that um, women in comics didn't need to just didn't need to be objectified. Um, well, it started actually with um, I was going to comic book message boards because I live in a very small town that didn't have a comic book store or a comic book community. So being able to go online and talk to other people that actually read and enjoyed comics like I did was really fun for me at the time. And because there was a lot of dudes on the boards and not as many women at the time, they would ask me, well, why don't more women read comics? So I started thinking about it, and I did take a break from comics during the 90s for quite a bit, very spotty reading of comics in the 90s, and I started thinking about it and started realizing what had happened to a lot of my favorite female characters um, through the years and, and the storylines where they were just basically there as plot points to dismember, rape, abuse, whatever, um, so that the male hero could vow his revenge and, and then the story became about the male hero. So I just asked the question, is, could this be the reason why? And a lot of other people contributed to that site. And um, I think, you know, I think we were heading out of that trend a bit at the time, but um, I think that it's made people more aware of, you know, the fact that female characters are valuable and they're valuable for other reasons than just a plot device. Yeah. Exactly. The, the website, of course, references um, the Greenland comic uh, written by Ron Mars. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you actually met Ron 
Oh, I have, I have, and, and you know, I, I um, love his writing, and I like the way that he treats female characters for the most part. That was just one example of one story, and, and my point never was that we shouldn't have female characters in extreme peril in comic books, yes. because that's kind of the nature of, That's kind of the know, opposite. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we have a lot of fighting and a lot of uh, bad things happening in, in our storylines in comics, so that was never the point. It was just that it was happening so much in the comics that it was definitely a trend and that's what I worry about not a character is hurt or abused or whatever the storyline is I you know I like having lots of different storylines and plots going all the time it's just that when we have a trend where one particular minority is treated that way then I think I think that we need to take a look at it and they sort of take, take, take taken yeah. for granted yeah. Yeah. so like I said before you I mean you've you've, you've basically done cover the entire DC universe um, and, and you're not Captain Marvel I must say no <laughs> I have my eyes on that someday though <laughs> that would be awesome <laughs> so um, being a comic fan yourself do you have a favourite comic of your own I have lots of favorite comic books. I like Alan Moore Swamp Thing. I like Snyder Swamp Thing. Um, I love Animal Man, Sandman, uh, George Perez Wonder Woman Run, Greg Greco Wonder Woman Run. Um, I could probably just sit here for an hour and list off <laughs> things. I like things like Mouse. I like things like uh, Gone, which is a, yeah. a manga. Uh, yeah. There's yeah, there's so much good work out there. I'm so proud of our, um, our uh, the Victorian curricul- school curriculum have just added mouse to their wonderful reading their uh, school reading list, which is That's wonderful. Yeah, and Bone is another great one for all ages. Um, awesome, cool. And do you have uh, any? Uh, you're a writer yourself. Do you have any uh, writers uh, in the in the industry or at, at all that you uh, admire yourself? Um, I admire a lot. I really feel that the industry has some of the most creative, talented writers out there. And we have people like Scott Snyder and um, Jeff Lemire, Mark Wade, Matt Fraction, uh, Neil Gaiman, Alan Moore. Just the list is very long. And these people are all extremely innovative and brought something new, brought their own voice. Grant Morrison's another one. Uh, so just very forward-thinking, very creative people, very brilliant people as well. Well, Gar, thank you very much for your time. I'm going to have to, I can't monopolize your time any longer. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and an well, honor. Thank, thank you. you very much. Have a great day at Supernova. Thank you. That was Gar Simone. What an absolute legend. I, I don't know if you could tell, but just how nervous I was during that interview. I didn't get to ask... Um, all the all the questions that I wanted to ask, <laughs> and uh, I was just so nervous being in Gail's presence. <laughs> it, was just, it was amazing, but but uh, we got through it, so that was so that was cool. And again, I apologise for the uh, the sounds in the background. So that's it for the interviews. Coming up next, coming soon. So coming soon in Australian cinemas, June twenty seventh, we get Man of Steel. Yeah! Alright! Oh! Da, 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 da. I'm just saying that because it'll be the last time any of us will hear that in Superman movie from here on in, so. So look forward to our, our full NCP review of Man of Steel in the next episode. Uh, yeah, also also that week, but let's face it, nobody cares. We also get Epic, which is a fantasy, yet another fantasy animated film. It just looks terrible. Um, the Look of Love, which is. Uh, a, a story about a, a pornographer. <laughs> yeah, with um, Steve Coogan. Yeah, with Steve Coogan. Uh, it's Michael with the bottom's new film. Yeah, so that's kind well, of interesting. That'll be happy and uplifting. Yeah, I oh, know it's very very depressing. Well, you get, you'll, you'll get one at least get a good performance from Steve Coogan. Uh, and everybody has a plan, which is uh, set in Argentina, where a guy 
takes the identity of his dead identical twin. Um, oh, that's, um, so it's that's like Vigo, impact. That's Viggo Mortensen. Then the following week on July 4th, we get The Lone Ranger. God, Johnny that Depp, looks terrible. Arnie Hammer. I think it looks all right. How can you make... How can you make the Lone Ranger and spend $250 million doing it. Did they not learn the lessons from John Carter? <laughs> Apparently not. Seriously, <laughs> they blowed the budget on this film so badly. From the makers of, of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and I enjoy Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, but it's also from the makers of Pirates of the Caribbean 2 and 3, <laughs> which were both pretty awesome. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> I will concede that point. But still... I'm always happy to see Johnny Depp. Oh, that I will see it. <laughs> I'm still going to see it. The Lone Ranger 1 could be brilliant, and Lone Ranger 2 and 3, not so much. Yeah, let's, we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it could be, but the, the trailers don't really inspire me that this is going to be a good film. Yeah, we'll go with it. But uh, well, I'll tell you what's another good film is we also, that week, we also get the 3D re release of Independence Day. Which is like, what? A film that was actually begging for a uh, re release to begin with and be a 3D equivalent of? What? Why would you do that? <laughs> no so serious. No uh, to make money and yeah. people do care because the movie was a big yeah, hit. Huge it's hit. like it's, 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 it's actually more of a publicity thing because uh, it may be they're, doing the, they're doing the sequel. So. Yeah. Are they it's more yeah. to sort of put it back into the into people's minds? Twenty years afterwards. Yeah, and, and give him some extra cash to make the sequel. <laughs> no, with. Will Smith. But Bill Pullman's coming back. He's got to pay the bills. <laughs> as what? As a, as a president. president. Can't be the president. Ex-president. Why not? Ex-president. Yeah, he'll be the ex-president. Once you, once you save the world from alien invasion, I think you're president for the rest of your life. Just, <laughs> no more, no more four-year terms. <laughs> <laughs> so you saved all our lives. You can be the president for as long as you want. President of the world! <laughs> yeah, yeah so president of the world. So, uh, yeah, so send us some feedback about the uh, five-minute popcorn junkies and anything else you want to talk about. Just tell us how much you love us. That's cool with us. By email, feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com or post on our Facebook wall at www.facebook.com forward slash nerdculturepodcast <laughs> or you can tweet us at nerdculturecast or you can leave a comment on any post on our website at www.nerdculturepodcast.com see so the old this the professional yeah, but, but he's been yeah. doing it for like 50 episodes <laughs> we've been doing it once you, you reacted like I just slapped you in the face that <laughs> 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 was the <laughs> yeah look I'm not up with this whole Twitter machine thing okay <laughs> It's a, a little blue bird that appears on the screen when I'm on websites. <laughs> I've got a grasp on the Google. <laughs> and don't forget you can rate and review us on the iTunes. The iTunes. And subscribe to the podcast. So on our, the iTunes. And our RSS feed and, and basically all that sort of stuff. And uh, also just a special mention of our Amazon affiliates program. Um, as I've mentioned a couple of episodes back, we actually now have an Amazon widget on the website where you can buy things through the widget on the on the Amazon, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't mention it doesn't uh, cost you any extra. Um, and uh, an important thing to note that I didn't think of noting before, but I can't see who you are, <laughs> so I can see that I can see what's being bought, but I can't actually see who's buying them. So there's no loss of privacy or anything like that. But it's really important for us because it uh, it helps us run the show. Um, so it's very very cool, and you know, we and um, I'm really happy to say that people have actually been. People have been doing it, so thank you very much to those people that have uh, been buying stuff through the widgets. Awesome stuff! It is. You anonymous people are awesome. Yeah, you're right. We now have eighty-seven cents. No, no, we've got two dollars and fifty-six cents. Nice lunch. All right. (laughs) I mean, that's that is so cool. I I don't get about the amount, just the fact that uh, people are taking advantage of it, and um, it means a lot to us. Um, So, thank you very much. So, keep in mind, 
the website at www.nerdculturepodcast.com which has the, the Amazon widget buy stuff buy 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 uh, at, at nerdculturecast <laughs> too late man totally cool love so that's uh, episode 53 I hope you enjoyed it we obviously enjoyed it that's it goodbye from me and goodbye from the crew Richard you, you've got it all wrong it is new NCP 52 now I apologise get it right we'll be fired if we I don't apologize. do it right <laughs> does, that mean, does that mean we have to renumber though I don't want to renumber yeah we're going to renumber this is now this is now ep- episode 1 no 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 what we'll do is we'll say it's episode 53.1 okay that works yeah we'll, uh, we'll works. go with that as long as we can get one in because that apparently increases sales yeah it has to be a one yeah with a Jim Lee cover or something yeah anyway moving on and look I have the power! And Crystal. No, I'm a dangerous person. You, you now want to be known as dangerous person. Dangerous person. I'll be, I'll be Eagle Lord. <laughs> no, I don't want to be anything involved least, with that guy. He was, a, he was a douche. At least you're not person of interest. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Say goodbye, dude. Bye! Bye! <laughs> <laughs>